0: welcome to a special supreme court edition of the american shoreline podcast i am your host tyler buckingham and of course i am here today with my co-host peter Ravella. Uh, today we're going to do things a little differently in light of the blockbuster supreme court decision in coast versus the california coastal commission peter big week on the american shoreline Wow,
1: uh, I tell you, Tyler, uh, this is a little bit like a, a big trade in the NBA. You know, when you're <laughs> talking about what's going on on the American shoreline, yesterday was a huge decision by the United States Supreme Court in the case of KOSLA versus the California Coastal Commission. We'll get into the details. Basically, this case is a major lawsuit between a beachfront property owner And those who advocate for public rights to the beach, let's just say at the lower court levels, the public beach access folks had prevailed. The landowner appealed to the Supreme Court, filed a petition for a writ of certiorari. In other words, for all you non-lawyer folks out there, the landowner said to the U.S. Supreme Court, you need to hear this case and you need to change the decision. Yesterday, the United States Supreme Court rendered, uh, denied the petition and said, we are not going to hear this case. The advocates won at the state level.
0: That decision stands. And Peter, we're going to have some more content on this coming next week. Uh, Our host of the Next Swell podcast, Rob Nixon, has some great content lined up for you.
1: Yeah, and I think what we want to do today is just make our listeners aware of the decision. Rob Nixon, the Next Well podcast, as you said, is going to have on the uh, legal director for the Surfrider Foundation. They were the ones who brought the lawsuit and uh, filed the motion to deny the petition for cert. In other words, these are the legal team that that actually participated in the decision. Rob is going to have them on his show. And I think Uh, It will be a much more informed and and detailed discussion than this overview that we're going to give uh, today. So for all the listeners out there, this is to wet your whistle. And then next week, catch up with Rob Nixon on the Next Swell podcast.
0: So we're going to get into this in one second. But first, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. As always, uh, we want to thank the American
1: Shore and Beach Preservation Association for their sponsorship of the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today. ASBPA's national conference is October 30th to November 2nd at the Galveston Island Convention Center. It's a great conference. And Tyler, we
0: will be there. Absolutely. You've heard us say it a number of times now, but we will be there. We will be broadcasting from the conference. This is the Can't Miss Coastal Policy and Science and Engineering event. Uh, Be sure to go to ASBPA.org and register. Get there, pay the fee, and we look forward to seeing you there. For background for everybody, uh, Peter is a lawyer, and uh, so we, we're going to take advantage of his, of his mind today to learn a little bit about the ramifications of what happened here with the Supreme Court. So as Peter said earlier, the Supreme Court uh, denied a writ of certiorari uh, on this case. Uh, g- give us a little background about what that means, how that happens. Obviously, the Supreme Court is the highest court in the land, but this was not the first case uh, that has, that, that is coming up here. This is the culmination of years of legal activity. Yeah. The, the legal history on this dispute
1: between, uh, the public rights advocates, public beach access advocates, and the upland landowner really goes back about eight years, even nine years back to 2009. And to introduce you to the parties, uh, the, the uh, property owned this, owner in this case is Vinod Khosla, Kosla. and Vinod is the 400th uh, richest man in the, in the world. He is a co-founder of Sun Microsystems, a great company. My brother actually worked for Sun Microsystems in the Bay Area. And Vinod bought a, a, a big parcel in San Mateo County just south of Half Moon Bay, a really uh, special part of the California coast the uh, property was 89 and a half acres, $32.5 million, was spent on that property. And it fronts an area called Martin's Beach, a really special cove beach along the California shoreline in this part of, of California, Northern California, or in the Bay Area. Uh, fabulous place. And the public had used Martin Beach for a long, long time. And uh, when uh, Vinod got the property uh, at the beginning the public continued to use the beach, but there was a point at which he decided to change his mind and put up a gate and block the public from getting down to Martin's beach. Uh, now, vinod is not a, is not the villain. I mean, obviously he is the defendant in this case, but as an individual. He's got a great history of philanthropy around the world. He's worked on micro lending all over India. He's got, you know, this is a guy who's a serious person, obviously, a man of tremendous wealth, and as a result, tremendous legal capacity to take this case to the Supreme Court.
0: So, uh, Vinod purchases this property. he decides to gate it off. Peter, what, what does that trigger when he puts that gate up? Well, I think, uh, of course,
1: it drew the attention of a lot of folks in California and around the United States in the beach access community. Um, when he initially buys the property, he buys the property from, from a family, the Deeney family, uh, that family had held this piece of property for about a 100 years. And over that 100-year period, the public was able to get down to Martin's Beach. In fact, the family had created a public access a road and a parking lot. They put up a restroom, and they ran a concession store, and they charged a fee to get to the beach. Uh, there was an accommodation between the upland owner and the the Deeney family that that held the property until 2009. Um, When Vinod bought the property, he he kept the entry road open, he he kept the fee going, but at some point uh, he thought this business is a money loser, it clearly was, as they said, he was losing money hand over fist. And Vinod decided, you know what, I'm going to put a gate up on this property and I'm going to stop this. I'm tired of it. I don't want the people here. Uh, and his motivations are not known to me. But obviously it's, it, uh, it may have been that uh, the operation that was being run was simply not financially sound.
0: Uh, and that caught the attention of San Mateo County and the Coastal Commission.
1: Right. And this, in San Mateo County gets involved and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a historically used beach and a historically used access Uh, They attempt to block that, and and, uh, Vinod files suit against the county. Uh, And uh, he shuts down the entry road. He puts up a gate across the pathway down to the beach. He paints over the welcome sign that was along the road that got you down to the uh, parking area. In other words, he turns off the spigot, and uh, that results in uh, protest by San Mateo County and a lawsuit by by Vinod against, uh, against San Mateo County. So
0: in that particular case, the county, uh, dismissed the case. Is that correct, Peter? They, They dismissed the case on the grounds that, uh, the coastal act that, that in fact, the state did have the ability to permit, these kind of decisions on the coast. Is that correct? Well, I think we'll, I'll tell you what, this is a perfect
1: place to, to we'll defer to, to Rob Nixon's show next week on the specific details, but a county judge there uh, in San Mateo County uh, did not, the uh, nod did not prevail in that lawsuit. Um, the issue festered for years, resulting in uh, the arrest of several surfers in 2012, and uh, You know, the case continues to brew. This is 2009, leading up to 2012 and the arrest of the surfers. And 2014, when Surfrider gets
0: involved and becomes a plaintiff in the case. Now, why don't just quickly uh, fill fill the listeners in quickly on the Surfrider Foundation and what they do and and why this would be a, a case of interest for them.
1: You know, Surfrider is a national advocacy organization that... Uh, is active in a number of shoreline and beach-related issues, from water quality to public access to the shoreline to management of shorelines. They're they're a very scientifically sound, technical group of people. They have uh, great representation around the country. They're one of the major coastal advocacy groups on the American shoreline. And uh, Rob Nixon and his podcast, The Next Swell, uh, is going to cover surf riders' role in this case, uh, I'm sure in great detail, but uh, a public interest group, really, that uh, that brought suit against COSLA, and the basic claim they made is, look, you cannot put up a gate and block off public access without getting the approval of the state of California under the- uh, the, uh, the Coastal Act. The Coastal Act in California. So- they became involved, and, and they were they they've had they had some up and downs in that process. But at the end of the day, uh, Surf Rider prevailed at the state level, and Coasla's uh, actions of unilaterally shutting off the beach, blocking the access, and preventing the public uh, from getting there was was deemed illegal under the law. You could not unilaterally do that. It required the permission of the state through, through a permit. All right, so
0: from the San Mateo County Court... Kosla appeals to the state supreme well, court. Well, we had a stop in the
1: superior court in California. The, the okay. surf ride. There's a, again. I'm going to let. I'm going to let. Uh, so there's Rupp, a long legal battle. There's a here. number of court cases that led to the supreme court. Uh, Prolonged campaign. Yes, here. there was an appeal to the California Supreme Court as well. That did not. It's not accepted. But let's say it was about an eight-year journey right. to get to.
0: Uh, and somewhere along the way, here he offers to sell. Yeah, <laughs> some access to the property for more money than he. Well, this is why I say you can't you
1: can't paint Kilsue the, the with it with it with you know as, a, as an absolute villain. I mean, he's a clever businessman. So when he when Surfrider prevails, I think it's 2014, and his prohibition on access is 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 found to be improper. He says, "Well, gee whiz!" I'll, I'll, I'll he offers the public access way to the state of California for. Thirty million dollars. He said, "You know what? You want the access? Give me the money. I'm the owner of this property. Pay me thirty million dollars." Uh, Kosla had paid thirty-two point five million dollars for the prop for the eighty-nine acres when he bought it. So you think, boy, this is a pretty good businessman," and that's why he's the four hundredth richest man in the world because the guy's good. <laughs> and uh, the, the state of the state of California does not decide to write that check, and uh, the case proceeds <laughs> further. To this appeal by Kosla to the
0: Supreme Court and Of the he, United States of America. Of the he United takes it States of America. All the way to the he top. goes
1: to the top of the mountain. And what he's what he says is in that petition for CERT, when he says to the US Supreme Court, you need to hear this case, and here's what's at issue. He said, as a private property owner, I am being subjected to the power of the state for a simple decision to close down a business that I operated, which was an access park where I charged people fees and I had a little store, and I want to stop my business, and are you serious? You're telling me I have to get a permit from the state. That is an unconstitutional infringement on my right as a property owner, Uh, and in the property universe, uh, property law universe, the old bundle of sticks analogy, one of the key rights of ownership is the right to exclude. Uh, but that is not an absolute right, and in this case, uh, Kosla was arguing that the imposition of the permitting requirement and the denial of his opportunity to shut off this access was a constitutional, an unconstitutional taking of his property
0: without compensation. So, it's can a you, takings claim, Peter. For for those of us uh, who are not lawyers, uh, this term "bundle of sticks." Yeah. Uh, and the right to exclude. What, first of all, what is the right to exclude, and what is the bu- the bundle of sticks? Is what? What el- What other private property rights are in that bundle? Well, when you
1: and this is something everyone has hand experience in. When you have a relationship with property, there's a number of ways you can do that. Uh, one of them is to uh, to be the absolute fee simple owner of the property. And I'm the record owner. I own the property outright. The other way is to have a lease of a property. I have the right to enjoy the property, but I don't have the right of ownership. So the bundle of sticks is what is the nature of your possession and what rights do you have with it? And it, the right to exclude means I, as the owner of the property, own this particular right, which is that I can tell you not to get on my property I and I'm protected legally through the through trespass and the laws of trespass, I so can't walk
0: into your house because you own it and you have a right to exclude me right. from that place. And 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 of course, private property rights are uh, beyond the public access component, which we are talking about here, and and this right to exclude. There are other we we can think about. Building regulations. If of you course. own a property, you have the right to develop it, but within right. certain Correct. legal restrictions. These Correct. are commonly regulated. Right. Uh, there's mineral extraction restrictions. If you own the the property, you of course might own the minerals yep. and and resources underneath it, but you're you're legally not. Government can regulate and constrain
1: rights to property. Like you're saying, if I'm was, if i in a residential neighborhood and I decide to put a pig farm on my property, the government tell me that is not an authorized use. You're subject to zoning. And it is not a takings for the government to exert its authority in reasonable restrictions on the use of property. Uh, so property law is a very interesting and fascinating and a very old uh, body of jurisprudence, uh, you know, in, in, in does this America. Back,
0: does this go back? Does this guy go back to the Way common back. law. Yes, uh, the
1: common law principles of, of ownership. In fact, the bundle of sticks analogy is a common law oh, principle from, from good old England back in the day. But Vinod was arguing that he had the right to exclude, that he had a business operating on his property, and that he could shut it down without the government telling him what to do about that. Uh, and he was arguing that that was a, a taking. A taking. He was and arguing that it was a, a diminishment of his rights as a property owner in the state. It's not like the here's the thing about property law. The state can can do things to your property that reduce the value or restrict what you do and in some cases if they have the right to do that, they have to pay compensation. Kusler was arguing that the Supreme Court should take this case and establish the principle in California or nationally actually that the states do not have the authority to prevent a beachfront owner from excluding the public without just compensation. The Supreme Court refused to take the case, and that's kind of an interesting decision, and it most certainly is not the end of this story.
0: Absolutely. So, by not, so let's talk about a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So, by not taking the case and therefore not making a ruling, right. what the court did is it did not set precedent.
1: Yeah, it makes no decision. The, the denial of the petition for cert is not precedential in any way. It let's stand the lower court decision in California, which was a state court decision. That decision said, Vinod, you cannot do this without getting a permit from the state of California under the California Coastal Act. That is a. This is a jurisdictional case at this stage. Uh, they're not saying that the, the the state court did not say that he cannot put up a sign and block the access. What they said is you can't do that without a permit. So now we enter the land of, of a permit battle. I'm sure there will be a, a rather lively discussion about the permit application, what the permit should allow. And again, this is where I'm really looking forward to Rob's show next week because I want to know from uh, from the folks he's talking to at Surfrider, what is the likely. Disposition of this case going forward. This is not the end of the story. There's going to be now a permitting battle over whether uh, the state of California will issue a permit to Vinod to close the beach off. Um, yeah, if I'm guessing, I think they probably won't give him a permit, but who knows,
0: that will probably generate another round of litigation. Um, so so now that the Supreme Court has made its decision to not grant it's Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward now as far as what this means going forward for this particular beach. Uh, it's still owned. Uh, Vinod will probably—will will need to go to, through the permitting process. His attorneys right. have said that they will do this. Yeah. That they will comply with this decision and, and go back to the to the state. Yeah. And what you're saying is that now that process will unfold and— Yeah. And, and so— do, Outline for the listeners maybe a few of the uh, possible outcomes here that, that might come out. I mean, you were saying earlier that, you know, the, the, the fee, for example, right now there's a, a parking fee. Um, in
1: the old days, uh, the business was operated, even when Vinod had the property, he initially allowed people to continue to come in through from the road uh, down to the parking area and down to the beach if you paid a $10 entry fee. Here's one. Of, I have so many questions about how this plays out, and I'm really looking forward to Rob Nixon's podcast uh, and following this case as it goes forward. Um, could Vinod, for example, say, "Okay, you're going to make me keep this access way open? Uh, here's the deal: the access fee is $100 a day. Does he have the right to set a permit fee? We know, I think it's been at least it's been reported that." The fees that he collected were insufficient to cover the cost of maintaining the parking area, providing security, and cleaning up the beach and picking up the trash. It was a money loser. Um, It seems reasonable that Vinod would say, gee whiz, that if we're going to have this access way, I'm going to charge enough money to make it a break-even proposition. Could he go to $100? Could he effectively use a fee to substantially constrain the rights of the public to get to the shoreline? I think that's one thing I'm... I'm fascinated about. I really want to know about if he has the right to, to regulate a business, and I, I got to think he does. Um, can he set hours of access? Can he says the beach is open from 10 to 2 o'clock? That's when I want people there. And guess what? On Easter, I don't want anybody around or during this particular holiday when my family is here, I don't want anybody here. I mean, can he set the hours of operations? And what if those are highly constraining to the public? Um uh, there's just a number of things that are going to go uh, be discussed from this point forward that I think this is where Coastal News Today can do a great job and in, in, on the network and Rob Nixon's podcast because these things are not simple. Um, now, having said that the case is not fundamentally resolved does not mean that the case does not have a massive implication at the moment. And let me tell you what I, I think that is. The Supreme Court was given a crystalline opportunity to rule on the takings of, uh, on a takings claim by a beachfront owner in regard to beach access. They could have decided, for example, that the Coast of California Coastal Act and the permitting requirement to adjust access over private property was an unconstitutional law or that the law could not be implemented unless there was compensation due. I mean, there were a number of things that the Supreme Court could have done with the case that would have had national implications. And what I think is important about what happened yesterday in the denial of cert uh, petition was that the court sidestepped that opportunity and did not proclaim uh, that the Law was an infringement on Vinod Kosla's rights as a property owner. Um, there were, I think, Vinod had the best lawyers you can get, and the Pacific Legal Foundation and other property rights organizations that are active on the American shoreline were very active. I think the case was fully litigated, or at least the petition for CERT was, uh, the, the motion for the petition for CERT was, 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 was fully litigated, and the Supreme Court stepped away. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to know. What should we read into that? I don't know. They didn't take the opportunity to knock, to put a coffin in public access on the American, a nail in the coffin of public access
0: on the American shoreline. Okay. Well, it looks like we're going to have to stay tuned for the next steps. And uh, thank you, Peter, for uh, doing this uh, this emergency podcast <laughs> on the Supreme Court decision. I. I know that uh, we're all interested in knowing what it means and uh, really appreciate your insights here, Peter. It's it's not a bad first cut, but, uh, I, you know, again, I think the real
1: pros on this issue are going to be Angela Howe, the legal director of the Surfrider Foundation, and Sarah Domron, and who has also worked actively on the Martin's Beast case for Surfrider. We're going to get to hear from them directly. Um, It would be interesting to talk to the Pacific Legal Foundation about it as well. I'm sure they have a uh, a pointed
0: opinion about the decision, but... I might try to have them on uh, the Beach Shack, actually. Um, When I think about it, I think they'd be fantastic guests. Um, Well,
1: I'd love to hear from them, because they were instrumental in uh, beach access law in Texas uh, in some of the court cases that changed how Texas beach access uh, laws work. So, Pacific Legal Foundation is some, someone that our listeners should be familiar with and understand and know about because they're a powerful Absolutely. voice on the American
0: shoreline. I, I, think, I think that that'll be kind of my, my concluding thought for this uh, special edition podcast is that, you know, even though this case uh, did not set national precedent and was in California, these public access versus p- private property rights issues are popping up all over the American shoreline. This is an ongoing battle that we will be covering uh, with with great interest. Absolutely.
1: And folks, uh, the Coastal News Today Facebook page uh, has an article from last week where we were anticipating the decision by the Supreme Court. We announced the ruling yesterday uh, on on through our Facebook feed, and uh, that's the kind of thing I, I really want to bring to our readership and our listeners. Uh, these things need to be understood and tracked. Uh, they make a big difference all around the United States. So Tyler, thanks for doing a special show. I uh, know that's not going to be something we do all the time, but this decision we wanted to get on. We needed to we needed to talk about this decision, and I can't wait to hear. Uh, next week from Rob Nixon uh, on the next, Swell podcast on ASPN Network. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, and have a great day. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening in.